I am Zarina Dimitrova, a strategic partner and mentor to businesses in the process of transformation. Join me on Grow and Learn as we explore a range of topics from personal development and career advancement to relationship building and financial management. With practical advice, inspiring stories and expert interviews, we'll give you the tools you need to thrive in every aspect of your life. Join us as we share insights and strategies that can help you achieve your personal and professional growth objectives. Hello, everyone. This is Zorina, your host at the Grow and Learn podcast. Welcome and welcome back to everybody who's recently joined. As you know, I'm bringing very interesting people from um, very interesting spheres, something that you're not regularly hearing about. And today we're helping uh, small entrepreneurs, employees, people that have been away for a long time from the workforce or stay-at-home moms that are looking to join the workforce again. With an alternative solution, I'm welcoming Diane Plois, who's going to talk to us about franchise. Welcome, Diane. Thank you very much, Serena. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> pleasure to have you. So uh, tell us, Diane, what exactly do you do and uh, what kind of people do you help? Sure. I am known as the franchise fitter. So basically, I match good people with good franchise options. They look at it as a way to build equity, invest in themselves, their hard work and effort come back and benefit them and their family. They like the franchise model because it provides a training, infrastructure, uh, group buying power, uh, a brand name, all these things. They don't have to have the big idea. They just have to be coachable and recognize that there is a system and say, gee, I could bring the skills that I have and they can help me with it and I can run a business. And that's exciting for them. I see. Well, most people, whenever they think of franchise, are thinking of a huge investment that they could possibly not afford. So um, how do we deal with this situation? Let's say I'm a stay-at-home mom. How do I invest in a franchise? Sure. We always tend to think of the big franchise brands such as McDonald's and big food because they're all over and they've been around a long time. And you're absolutely right. Those are significant investments and they do very well, but obviously most people cannot afford them. So we look at businesses that would be affordable. Many times we look at what we call service-based businesses where they can either be the practitioner or they can hire the techs to do the business. So when we look at a service-based business, that could be something like residential cleaning, senior care, uh, painting, handyman, where the franchise owner is typically the person running the business. They're not actually doing it, but they're hiring the caregivers, they're hiring the people who are cleaning, they are managing the business, they're involved in the community, they might be giving quotes, and the running and scaling a bigger business. And because those can start from a home office or a small office, sometimes a warehouse, the investment is considerably less. They don't have to be at the corner of Maine and Maine. I see. And so who is the typical person that comes to you? What kind of, what is, what is this business suited for? Who is it suited for? Sure. It's suited for someone who wants to 
take control, has confidence in themselves, still a learner. They have a certain amount of grit and determination. If we were to look at maybe certain categories, if you will, we might think of that person who is 50 plus and downsized. They may be able to go back into the work world, but sometimes they've been downsized before and they say, gee, if I get a job, how long is that one going to last? Average jobs last four to five years. What happens then? Maybe I should look at a business ownership option. So that's one person that I work with. I also work with people who I call employed but nervous. And those are folks who have good jobs, but their company has experienced layoffs or downsizing, or they're in an industry where that's happening. So they look at it and they say, gee, I've got a good job, but I don't know what the future brings. So let me look at a franchise option that can be what we call manager run, and that will allow them to keep their job, start a business on the side through a manager, and ideally grow and scale it. So year one, they might open up one unit or a territory, year two, a second location or a territory, year three, a third, and then they might say, gee, I am doing well in my business and I won't have to really take a major financial hit to transition over. So sometimes it becomes a bridge into business ownership. Other times they may continue with the job, but know that they've got that fallback option. They've got that safety net, if you will. So that's also someone I work with. You mentioned women returning after a time gap or those stay-at-home moms. Many times from them, many times they hear from them, gee, we we looked at jobs and we're just not getting credit for everything that we've done. And we don't wanna start at the very bottom. We're capable of much more. So when they look at franchising, they discover this whole business world and they say, I've got these skills. I've got this business acumen. I've run a family, I've done this, I've done that. I've been involved with parent teachers or whatever the case is. And they say, I'm willing to learn. So they embrace it and, and enjoy signing the front of the check instead of the back of the check. Um, of course, we love to work with veterans. Franchise companies appreciate veterans because they're used to the systems, the procedures, the infrastructure. They do better than average. And because of that, many franchise companies will give veterans a discount off the franchise fee as a way to encourage them to join and also as a way to say thank you. And then finally, and this might be where you might fit in, is the entrepreneur who wants a business, but they don't have that big idea. They say, give me that toolbox, give me that playbook, let me go. That's all I need. And that's that entrepreneur that doesn't want to go into corporate America, but wants to have their business with assistance on the side. So any of those groups of people are really good matches for me. Mm -hmm. and, and what are some of the industries that, that you, I mean, you already mentioned a few for um, small owners and small franchises, but what are other industries that um, have this model? Sure. Or, and, and do people need to have experience in these industries to get involved? Excellent question. Thank you very much for asking that. 
in general, people do not need to have industry experience. In fact, most of the time, they prefer that you don't. They would rather teach you how to do things. So for example, if we look at a, at a fitness studio or let's say a massage studio or a nail salon or a chiropractic practice, they do not want you to be the practitioner. They want you to be the owner slash manager and hire the therapist, hire the massage therapist, et cetera, and, and run the business. And that also holds true for other service-based industries. So if we take a business like a handyman service, they want you to understand that, to have familiarity, to know the difference between a hammer and a wrench and a saw, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But they don't want you going out in the field and doing it because then you're really not scaling and, and having a bigger business. So with that, they will... Uh, talk to you about the elements that are important. Um, in food, that's a little bit different. Many times the fast food industry wants you to have experience and that's not so much that you need to know how to flip the burger or make the fries or work the drive-through, but if you understand how complex that industry is and what's required from a time standpoint and employee standpoint, again, a franchise company wants you to go in with eyes wide open, no surprises. So that's one of the reasons that generally they want you to have industry experience there, but it doesn't transfer over to other industries. Um, and well, then are, maybe answer your other question yeah, as, as uh -huh. far as additional industries. So many times we're not aware of service-based businesses and that's where a lot of the opportunity is now because they can't be outsourced abroad and Amazon isn't doing them. So usually these are things that are usually done Monday through Friday through staff and it can be hard to find, but you only usually need a few good people and you run a good business and you get a few more people and you grow it that way. So if we look at a house, there are franchises for roofing, for gutters, for insulation, for painting, for lawn care, pool care, pet care, um, residential cleaning, painting, HVAC, electrical, uh, what else, plumbing. So all of those service-based businesses can all be franchised. And many times there isn't a known brand and a franchise gives you that certainty that comes with it. What else can you get apart from a brand? Let's say I'm a plumber. What else do I get in a, a, as a franchisee? Um, certainly, you would get the, the training, the experience, depending upon the franchise company. They may assist with helping you find good plumbers or good technicians. They will, have, they will talk to you or train you on the business, the finance part of it, um, pricing, running a business. They probably have technology that will tell the customer, okay, your plumber is coming and they will have training for the plumbers on how to greet the customer. They'll have invoicing and all of that, all of that type of thing integrated. Many times they'll have digital advertising and you'll go, wow, I, I could never do this on my own. And it's all here 
ready and waiting for me. And so based on your experience, what is the success rate of people starting franchise businesses? It is not perfect. There are some franchisees that are not successful. And with each franchise company, there is a legal document and it will list the franchisees who have been successful and it will list any that have closed. And you, of course, get to talk to both of them. What you'll find many times is when people follow the system, when they are engaged, they tend to be very successful. Usually when they are not successful is when they are sitting on the couch watching soap operas and eating bonbons and expect the business to do well. That just doesn't work. Or sometimes people don't do a good investigation and they fall in love with the franchise. They fall in love with the brand name, but they don't know what the owner does. And they might like it from a consumer standpoint, but they haven't taken the time to look and learn to say, does this fit me? Is this a good match for my skills and my investment level? And maybe they were too light financially. Well, ideally, the franchise company should not award them a franchise, or we should look at businesses that would be a match for them. So if there is any discrepancy, that's usually where it happens. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I have two questions <clears throat> arising out of that. One is, um, what is the, based on your experience, what have you seen as the minimum uh, franchise amount required and how do people get to these funds in the US or in your area, Northern California, you said you're based at? And my other question is, how do you make sure that these franchisees are successful? Do you do this while you're consulting them? You match them with the right franchise or what is your process to assure the success Sure. So you'll have to remind me of the two-part questions, but I'll start answering the okay. last part first, that is, sure. since that's what I'm thinking of. One of the beautiful things about franchising is you get to talk to the home office staff. You would talk to the person who's going to help with training. You will talk to the person who's going to help find real estate if there's real estate involved. You'll talk to the person who does the marketing and the digital advertising. So you get to learn about that all in advance. You get to talk to franchisees that have gone ahead of you. You might talk to some people like you. You might say, this is my background. So sometimes if a person is an accountant and or an attorney or whatever, or someone in IT, the franchise company will say, gee, why did you talk to this person? You probably will talk the same language. But again, you can talk to as many existing franchise owners as you would like and you get a chance to ask them the tough questions. What was training really like? How long did it take you to hit break even? How are you doing now? What is the vision for the franchise company? What is the culture like? You get to ask all these questions. It's going to be their experience. So you have to keep in mind, those are what I call data points. It's their perspective, but you're going to talk to Bob and Jane and Harry and whomever, and you're going to say, this person is in a major market. This person is in a smaller market. This person just started. This person has been doing it a long time. I've compiled all this information and I've decided that with the training that they provide, that it would be a good match for me or it wouldn't because I've learned all this information from all these people. So that's, again, that transparency is enormously helpful. And if someone doesn't do it, they're really missing that opportunity. 
Um, some franchise companies will convey that information in a group call. So they'll invite a franchisee or sometimes franchisees will sign up at, at an annual convention and say, I'll take this week or I'll take that week and I'll do calls because someone helped me and I want to pay it forward. And so sometimes it's a group call where you have one franchisee and let's say 10 candidates on the call. So again, you get to ask questions and other times it can be a one-on-one -on -one conversation. So that's one way of really getting behind the scenes and learning about the business. We all hear these horror stories about Uncle Harry and Uncle Harry lost his shirt, but there's many, many, many more successful stories of people who invested in the franchise and they are growing and they've got a life and they're doing well. Uh, so that hopefully answers one of the questions you asked, I think uh, uh, partially, question. partially, I'm going to continue questioning you now. Okay. <laughs> Diane. <laughs> All right. So um, this is great. You know, they, they can research on their own. They can um, make sure that it's a good match. You as, as a consulting practice, putting these people together, do you have any role in making sure that the franchisee is choosing the right kind of business that you're matching them or is it their choice? It, well, it is their choice. I will usually recommend three options, and those could vary by three totally different industries, three investment levels, a lower investment, a mid-range, and let's say a stretch investment. It could be a brick and mortar, and it could also be a service-based option. It could be one with no employees, a few employees, many employees. There are many different options, and as the person is learning about franchising, I like to schedule weekly calls to make sure that they're getting the information that they need, that they're understanding it. I wanna learn what questions, what concerns they have and make sure we're going down that right path. And if we're not, we're going to revisit it and say, what did we miss? That doesn't happen very often, but that helps to ensure it. And ideally, I like to stay in touch with people that I've placed. I. I like to hear how they're doing. And it and some of the people spend more time. Some of the people say, you've helped me. Terrific. I'm going to run my business. And others, I very much enjoy hearing from. So last week, I heard from a person that I placed in a business a few years ago, and he had a, a, a sizable drive he had to make. So he was making phone calls and he called and he said, do you have time? I've got a bit of a drive ahead. I've got some windshield time. And I said, I will make the time. Let's catch up. So that's that's what's really helpful is to is to learn. I I will share, too. I, I have to be respectful because these are business owners and I like to send some holiday gifts at, at Christmas time. And there is one person I worked with who became a franchise owner. He was a CPA, he kept his job, he was very busy. I left some messages, how was training? How are you doing? How are you getting started? I hadn't heard anything. And then the holiday came and I sent him a holiday gift and I did, didn't do it to make him feel bad, I just did it. And he called me back and he said, thank you so much. I'm, I'm so embarrassed because I haven't returned your call and let's talk for a minute, let's catch up. So. I want to I want to know what's going on if if the people will again continue to make the time and, and share what's going on. And, and how long does the engagement with you last? And, and how, how how does the process go? They call you, you have a phone call, and then what happens? Sure. 
they will fill out an online questionnaire. It's four pages. It takes about 15 minutes to complete. It's high level. It's not a personality profile, but it's enough questions to allow us to know if they take action to get started. And then we'll schedule a consultation call where I learn about them. And I'll ask questions and I'll ask follow-up questions and more questions to understand them, to see it from their viewpoint. Ideally, if the person is married, I'll ask the, the spouse also be on the call. Even if that spouse or partner isn't going to be involved, it's another set of eyes and ears. It's another person who knows that candidate. So ideally, that is very helpful. Then I will write that information up in what we call a franchise business model. That's what I'll use to look at franchise companies that I think would be the perfect match. After that, we'll schedule a call again via Zoom. I'll introduce companies to them. Most of the time, they will not have heard of them because they're not in their area. So that's that double-edged sword. On, on one hand, you want a company that you're familiar with, but if you're familiar with, they may no longer have territory available. So I'll introduce several companies. I'll ask them to keep an open mind and ask the hard questions, not make assumptions, but turn those assumptions into questions to get the facts. And franchise companies will have a series of calls. Usually they'll start with an introductory call, what they call a unit economics call. They'll talk about the training, the support, the territory, the vision for the company. They'll have, they'll go over the legal document. You'll have time to talk to franchisees. And then at the end, if you like the company and they'll like you, they will invite you to what's called a confirmation day, sometimes referred to as a meet the team day or a discovery day. That's where you verify everything that you've learned and seen up until that point. And this whole process, again, is all free. It's time and energy and commitment. And after that, if the company likes you, they will offer to award you a franchise. And if you like it, you will either say yes or no. So that's the process. Typically, because franchise companies are very well organized and people generally do a call with a company each week, it roughly takes six to eight weeks. It certainly can take less and can take longer too, depending upon funding or what else the people have going on. I try to match it to the person I'm working with. If the person has been downsized and they say, I've taken some time to clear my head and now I'm burning through capital, let's go. We'll do two or three calls a week because that's what they need. And other times people are traveling for work and, and they may be able to do one call a week or every other week. We, we do that according to their schedule so that it works. Mm -hmm. Okay, so back to my other question then. Okay. What is the minimum investment and how do people usually get to the funds they need to invest? Sure. There are, are two numbers that franchise companies will usually look at. One of them is liquidity and the other is net worth. Understand that the franchise company wants to make sure that you're going to be successful. Legally, they are required to include the costs in this legal document. And they will include the cost of the franchise fee. And then they'll have a range for what it takes for marketing or to get started. And let's say it's a location-based business. They're going to give a range because as you would expect in a major city, it's going to be higher. 
and in other states or cities that's going to be lower. So they will help you understand what is that range, what might it look like in your city where you are located. They also have to include working capital for a minimum of three months. They know that you're not going to be profitable or break even on day one, usually, and that it's going to take resources. So you need to have money to get started, to pay the franchise fee, to go to training, to get your business entity set up, do initial marketing, et cetera. So that's the initial money that you need. Then you also need money until you hit break even. So you might be open in business, but let's say you're a, a senior care franchise and you have to pay your caregivers, but you haven't received money yet from your client. So you have to be able to cover that. So that's some of your working capital needs until you can be cash flow positive. So you have to allow for that. The franchise company will also make sure that you have your home expenses covered. So ideally, they want to see that you've covered your rent or mortgage, your food, your gas, your typical household expenses for a minimum of six months, ideally 12 months, because you have to sustain yourself. So they take all those things into consideration. Franchise fees can vary from a low of 15,000 to over 100,000 and everywhere in between. Typical franchise fee now is around 50,000. Uh, and each year they tend to escalate because there's more demand and there's certainly supply and demand. So it's not unusual to see a franchise fee that is higher. Many times people look at that and say, wow, what am I gaining? Well, you're gaining access to the systems, the infrastructure, everything that the parent company has figured out in advance and you gain access to it. So you're saving time and you're saving money. They're saying, do this, don't do this, we try this. Invest your money here, do this advertising, hire these types of people, expect these results because we've got a predictable business model and you're gonna start here and hopefully you're just going to continue to grow it. That's one of the benefits that you're gaining. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, have you seen, is there a particular, uh, should, should I call it? I don't know if there's a particular credit line or package that is available only for franchise uh, owners in sure. banks or do you, yeah? Sure. Many candidates will look at funding options. So they may look at a home equity line of credit if they're a homeowner. They may look at a small business administration loan, an SBA loan. And what's interesting there is even though rates for SBA loans have gone up, the number of people applying and the number of people receiving SBA loans has increased dramatically just from last year to this year already. And from the previous year as well. So more people are interested in business ownership and they continue to want to have that control and are investing in themselves. So an SBA loan certainly is an option. If someone has a retirement account, they can also look at rolling that into their business with no penalty. In fact, there are some tax advantages. That's not something that they can do individually. There are companies that specialize in that. Again, I can make introductions. What I encourage is people to get educated about it. 
sometimes people say, oh, I want to do this. And I'll say, let's take a look. And one thing that they find helpful is when they're talking to franchise owners, I say, be sure to ask them, how did you fund your business? And I've had people say, oh, I, you know, I, I'm going to do it this way and I wouldn't do it this way. And then they ask people, how did you fund your business? How did you fund your business? And they found out that they did option A, option A, option A. And they come back and they say, well, maybe I need to learn about that. And I say, I think that would be a great idea. And then they can make that educated decision. I, I want to be a resource. And many times a tax advisor may also recommend. And a lot of times they'll pull in their financial planner or their accountant, again, to look at that, that can help them determine their business entity. Sometimes people have other businesses. So there can be many factors to consider. And again, part of the investigation is learning about all of this, weighing those options. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, okay, I'm learning a lot here. I didn't know all of that. And of course, there are things to consider that, you know, if, you know, if you're not in business, it's going to really take you a long time to figure it out. Um, Diane, who, who, whom do you serve directly? Who pays your fees, the franchisees or the franchise owners? The franchise companies will pay FranChoice and thus me a fee for the pre-screening, the qualification, the education we do. What's important to realize is that the franchise fee for any new franchise um, is does not vary. It is what it is. So it's not negotiable. If you worked with me or if a neighbor introduced you to the company, it would be the same. Where the difference comes in that we work with a whole range of companies. So we're not trying to force that square peg into that round hole. We're learning about the person and we're saying, we think this person would do very well here. And the franchise company says, oh, you brought us a great candidate. He could, he or she could be successful here. We're going to spend time and effort educating that person about us so they can make that sound business decision. You've saved us a lot of time and effort. Maybe they need to have fewer people in their franchise development department. Maybe they need to go to fewer franchise shows or advertise on fewer websites because we understand the profile of their most successful business owners and we try to match. So that has value for them. For the people I work with, again, it is it is no cost to them. They do have to invest time and energy and effort. All right. Is there anything else that is important that I haven't asked you and that is critical for this business that people need to know? I think many times we're somewhat channeled to think that we go to school, we get a good education, we get a good first job, and then that will parlay things out. And that's no longer so much the case. So many more people are thinking of being in control of their career. They may take that corporate experience and say, you know, I was an above average performer, but I got the average raises and promotions and I want to invest in myself. 
many times they learn about the business and, and we, we tend to think of the negatives, but they get in and they find that they've got the bounce back in their step. They find that they enjoy hiring people, setting a culture, being involved in the community, giving back to the community, being that employer of choice. And they say, like, who knew? Certainly there are, are challenges, that is a given. But many times they not only have the parent company uh, to help them, but they've got fellow franchisees to help them. So they might say, oh, you know, I'm having a hard time hiring this person or how much are you paying them or whatever the case is, or my advertising isn't working or it is working and let me share what's working. So you've got, again, all these colleagues, if you will, these fellow franchisees that are part of your network. And, and when you do well, they do well, all the boats rise, so to speak. It's, it's mutually beneficial. And, and many times people come out of sometimes a doggy dog world and they go like, this is great. This is so nice. This is what I've been looking for. So there can be a lot of positive surprises that, that people discover. Again, it's not right for everyone. It's not right for the person that needs a guaranteed paycheck, or it's not right for the person that has just this abundance of ideas. And they say, I can create the website. I can vet vendors. I can do this. And they're more the Renaissance person, and they might feel constrained, and they should not do a business. But for the people in between, it, it could be a very nice option. Mm -hmm. So so what does a typical day look like of a franchisee manager, owner? It could vary depending, uh, certainly upon the, uh, the franchise. They're going to want to oversee their marketing. They're going to want to oversee financials. They're going to make sure that scheduling is good. They probably want to be involved in the community. They may do some networking events. They want to make sure that customers are taken care of and that their business is thriving, however that might be on any particular day. There's, you know, when we think of things happening, part of it is looking at determining where to spend the day and developing your priorities to get the biggest return. Wonderful. You know, Thank same you so types much. of things mm -hmm. that you and they are probably doing right now. Great. This was a great talk. I enjoyed it. I learned new things. How can people reach you, Diane, if they're interested in, um, first of all, what, what areas do you cover? Do you cover the whole of the U.S. or? I cover the entire U.S. and I've also worked with a few people who have immigrated to the U.S. and have done uh, the visa option. That takes time, but I, I will share that whenever I've worked with those people, they are, they are determined, they are appreciative, they see opportunity, and that excites me. So even though it takes longer, I do enjoy helping them. The benefit, since I happen to be in California, I do like working with people on the East Coast because it's usually easier for a husband wife. They can talk in the evening. It's my late afternoon. I am originally from Wisconsin, so the people in the Midwest are near and dear to my heart. I understand that work ethic 
and I like them. And now I'm a California transplant. And of course, I love our wonderful weather here. So <laughs> I don't plan on leaving. So I also enjoy talking with them and, and learning about the personal story, where they want to go. A, a business is really a vehicle to get them somewhere. What do they want to accomplish through it? You can reach me on my website, dianeploys.com. It's probably easiest on LinkedIn because I have a difficult last name to spell or pronounce. So Ploys is spelled P as in Peter, L-E-U-S-S as in Sam, Sam. If you put in something close to that on LinkedIn, I should pop up because I have common misspellings. <laughs> so that will help. Or the easiest is to just go to quickchatwithdiane.com and you'll come to my calendar and you can schedule a call with me. Wonderful. Uh, I'll make it easier for everybody so they don't need <laughs> to go through the, the, the misspelling options. I will put the link below to your website to all of the posts. Thank you so much, Diane. Thank you, Zarina. Thank it you. has been a pleasure. You asked fabulous questions and it has been an honor to be on your show. <laughs> Thank you. Hope to welcome you again. You're welcome to join us again. <laughs> I would love nothing better. We can go a little bit deeper. Sure, of course. And you maybe with some examples. Those... Yeah, I, yes, I you... like asking questions. <laughs> I'm very curious. <laughs> so yeah, very, very I, I... good. Yeah. Thank you so much, Diane. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Grow and Learn. We hope that you found our podcast informative, engaging and inspiring. Our mission is to help you keep growing and learning, and we hope that our conversations and insights have provided you with practical advice and useful perspectives. If you're looking for personalized support and guidance to help you achieve your personal or professional growth objectives, I offer a range of services to help. As a trusted management partner and mentor, I work with businesses in the process of transformation, looking for new streams of business, as well as M&A. With an extensive professional network of experts and mentors, I can bring on board the right person or team based on the specific needs of the company I'm working with. To learn more about the services I offer and how I can help you achieve your goals, visit my website at growandlearn.org. You can also reach out to me via email or social media. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed this episode of Grow and Learn, please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Your feedback is important to us and it helps us to continue to create content that is relevant and valuable to our listeners. Thanks again for listening and we look forward to sharing more insights and perspectives with you in the future.